Welcome to the Fitfiliate Podcast, where with honesty and transparency, we talk about all things fitness, coaching, and gym ownership, so that you can feel less crazy and frustrated and alone, while you also find more freedom and make more money. And we're back with another episode of the Fitfiliate Podcast with Chuck and Tony. Good morning, or good afternoon to you. How are you, gentlemen? Always fantastic. I think we need to like coordinate who says what, what first um yeah spoiler alert i'm not a robot i got laryngitis don't be a dick about it yeah. i'm not gonna talk a lot today or if i do i'll sound <laughs> a little raspy yeah maybe maybe um people who are listening or watching might enjoy that today for a bit of variety wait a minute i think it was a backhand yeah. there yeah somewhere somewhere in there i think what you're saying okay is really talk too much <laughs> no, no, no. I just meant the tone of your voice. It's like, you know, some people pay maybe a lot of money for a per minute call service to hear a raspy voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just move on, shall we? Sleep, Lisa. I think that's what this comes down to. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Uh, so today I thought um, we talk about a topic that, that kind of links into quite a lot of things and there's a lot of stuff out in the affiliate space and in the social marketing space about these companies and I know I get a million emails a week about, you know, we can get you more leads. You need we'll get you fifty leads into your business for free. We'll get, you know, um, you need a hundred leads. And affiliate owners to a degree, um, and I've been guilty of it in the past of being, you know, very fixated on, well, I've only got two leads or, you know, I don't have enough leads. I need, you know, hundreds of leads. So can we talk a little bit about that in relation to, you know, how that covers, um, leads us down a path uh, towards, you know, uh, metrics and sales and member retention, but the quest for leads. Well, you're keeping with your theme of just coming out swinging. I thought we were going to work our way into this, but uh, this is what happens when we take away daylight savings from Lisa. She just gets angry. That's <laughs> Uh, so what exactly is your question? Why do people want leads? Why do people sell them leads? Why are leads good? Why are leads bad? Which one? Well, we can cover uh, all of the above, but you know, why should affiliate owners maybe not be as, as obsessed or fixated on just the leads coming in and dumping oh. a whole heap of money into the Facebook machine? If you're bad at snatching... Is the answer to get better at snatching or to do more shitty reps? It's definitely to get better at snatching. And so I think that's the, the first piece to consider in the conversation is that like in the quest for leads, what are we doing with these leads and why do we suppose that we need more of them? I mean, the the longest running, the largest scam in human history, essentially at this point, I feel like, besides being taxes, is um, I'm not going to get shut down for that, but um, <laughs> it's the lottery, right? I mean, it's been around for forever. People have bought into it in one form or another in multiple different cultures. And the reason why the lottery exists isn't because it is, in fact, illegal or it is a scam. It sells what? It's hope, right? But really what it does is it allows a large class of humans to blindly and faithfully dump money into this belief that it's a dollar and a dream, right? One day I'm going to get lucky and my entire future is going to change. 
But what that's what's dangerous about that is that in so doing, it allows them to abdicate the responsibility that they are solely responsible for their friend, their financial trajectory of their own life, right? And obviously, this is a large conversation because the the, the the lotto is big ticket. But this is the same thing that ends up happening with leads. Would more leads help your business? No doubt about it. It could also ruin it, right? And so the problem with leads in general is that there's not a problem with leads at all. For the same reason, there's no problem with the lottery. More money is fantastic. But what happens to every lottery winner? They lose they the blow it. Mm. Because the tools that they need to acquire that money that they're seeking do, does not exist. And it's essentially the same problem that ends up coming out of this entire lead fascination. It's that leads become a distraction. And what that distraction does is allows them to abdicate the responsibility of that. They don't have a lead problem. They have a business problem. And so they think that if I just get more people in the door, I can in fact turn them into better customers, more customers, more clients means more money. It's going to solve all my problems. But it doesn't let them take responsibility of why they don't have enough to begin with. And that's the problem. And if it is just, if the, if the way that they seek to solve any given problem in the business is to just have more leads, what is that decision based on? Because like, we don't know if that actually solves the problem or makes it far worse. Like there's, there's a base level assumption of like, yeah, you know, sure. More leads would be better, but like, well, how long does it take you to be profitable on somebody new coming in the business? If you, if you are negative, like in the acquisition, then more leads like burns your bridge faster. Or if it's like you have a retention problem or a churn problem or an attrition problem, then you're trying to fill a leaking bucket. And so like, I don't know, it's just beginning with the end in mind, like, why do we think that we need more leads? Yeah. And well, it's that stupid why word again, right? So if you've been around here for enough times, it seems to be the common trend, but with leads, it becomes a conversation of beginning with what instead of why, right? And so obviously you've listened to a few of these episodes. We're obviously very big on believing in why, and then the what's become a byproduct of your in fact, why. And in, in exchange for the leads conversation, this is simple. If you start with a bunch of leads, more leads would in fact always seem to be better, but to what end? What is your goal, right? So let's say that you wanted to, to have a million dollar run rate, then you would probably need a lot of leads. But if you would like to have a 30% profit margin, you might not need a million dollar run rate and therefore you might not need a lot more leads. And frankly, a 30% profit run rate <laughs> would put you in the upper, upper, upper class of the average affiliate. And so we've run enough of these consultations to know that there's one thing that is relatively true. Most affiliates do not have a lead problem. They have an offer problem, right? If you will have more than 10 leads per month, and on average, almost every consult, even before we get involved, they already are experiencing that number of lead inflow. Because that's just the number of people that's hitting your website, hitting your Facebook, hitting whatever. It's a relatively passive lead inflow. The problem is when you have those 10 people and you bring them in on a free trial, and you sell them an unlimited membership and all those things, you need 50 leads to break even. You don't have a lead problem, you have an offer problem. Because if you had 10 leads a month and you only converted a few of those to an ideal client, 
that changes pretty much everything about the trajectory of their company. But yeah, that's a bigger like conversation. The initial, the initial why is like, why do we suppose the leads are the answer? Because, you know, inevitably somebody wants to, like, it's fiscal in nature, right? They want to grow the business to make more money. They think leads are the best way to do that. Okay, cool. We'll pause on that. Is it easier to sell to somebody you have a relationship with? Is it easier to sell to somebody who's already a customer? For sure. So if the problem to solve is getting more money, have you tried getting more money from people that you already know, who already love you and already trust you, you've already identified their problems and they're already willing to transact with you? It's at least a good spot to start. Yeah, and I think look, people can get into that mindset of, as you said, filling the leaky bucket. It's like they're you've got people coming at one end, I need to replace it and not fixing anything in the middle that might be causing that leaky bucket as well. Well, I'm just maybe, worrying about volume. Maybe it's a realization right. that like at some level, the bucket will always leak because it should. Because you can only ever serve so many people. And if the game really is like legacy and impact, well, there are some people that have probably reached all of the goals that they need to reach inside of those four walls. Well, there's a whole lot of other people that haven't reached their goals that have been in those four walls for a really long time. I mean, churn and attrition are a necessity in human psychology, right? The greatest games that have ever been created still experience churn and they still experience attrition for a few reasons. One, boredom, right? Two, they beat the game, right? Three, they move on to a different game. You know, those things are unavoidable truths in terms of humanity. So attrition is always going to happen. So there's very little fixation on that, right? Everybody still, despite that constant truth, everybody knows that they have an attrition problem, but they think the solution is just to front load more people and then the backflow won't matter. And that would make some degree of sense if they actually even knew what their attrition number is. Right? Like the average person that comes in on a consult has an attrition rate over 13%. They don't have nearly enough money to spend on ads, nearly enough money made from their front end offer. And then of course, they don't have nearly enough people coming in the door to make up for that 13%. And they usually end up with like either a negative growth rate or like a two to 3% growth rate, which doesn't even pace things like inflation. So, you know, this kind of, my, my fear with having this conversation is that it sounds like, you know, CrossFit gyms don't have a lead problem. I would love for you to all have enough leads for them to be coming out of your ears, right? I would love that you had so many leads, you didn't know what to do with them. And you had a great front end offer that was so high that you were profitable from the first conversation. And so much so that like, you could just turn people away. Obviously, that's not the case. So the truth of the matter is lead flow is not a conversation of, 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 of a root. It is a symptom, right? So we have to figure out why you don't have leads. And yes, sure, you could place ads and give Zuckerberg some money and, and throw money into the Facebook machine and get more people in the door that way. But that in itself is a what? And that leads to an overnight, one night stand, which doesn't likely lead to a long-term relationship, right? So... My question is, how is it that you have 50 to 70 to 100 people and that's not generating enough publicity, momentum, referrals, conversations, and opportunities 
for you to have enough lead flow. In many cases, it is. You probably see 10 plus people a month because of the work that you do, because of the work that CrossFit as a brand does, because of the, the, the vibe on the street. You don't know how to capitalize on those 10 people. That's the problem. It's not a lead flow conversation. Like Chuck and I were laughing about this this morning, actually, but like CrossFit gyms have truthfully always been spoiled by lead flow. There's a ton of them because there's very few businesses that you could start with no idea how to market and people would just be knocking on your door. Like the joke this morning we were laughing about was like, imagine opening up a garage, a mechanic shop and like people just being like, Hey, I, I heard about what you do here. Can you do that for my car? Like you guys get so many leads just from being who you are. The problem is you don't know what to do with them when they knock on your door. You're just like, yeah, uh, you want to start with a free trial? How about free? Free things, unlimited. Let's see what else I can throw in there, right? And like, and that's the offer. That's the problem. Mm. You want to do burpees until you shoot your pants in a warehouse with us? Fucking sweet, bro. <laughs> Sign up now. Yeah, right. You want to you want to spend the first ten percent of your of your relationship getting as sore as you've ever been in your entire life, and then pay me to do that for the rest of your life. The conversion rate's pretty low there. You know, so it's, it's not a lead flow conversation, but it is a conversation that you've allowed people to sell you as a solution. And that's the problem with it. Do CrossFit gyms need more leads? Yeah, because there's still way too many people overweight, right? And until that problem levels out, we need more leads. We need those people's attention. The problem with that is, is that by focusing on leads, like anything, it's the keto conversation in the nutrition world, right? By, by focusing on, on keto and making carbs the enemy and making you know sugar bad and all these things bad, which no doubt about it, in consumption isn't sure, is, is for sure bad. The problem isn't carbs, isn't fat, isn't protein. The problem is how much food you put in your mouth, right? And so leads become the abdication of responsibility of the business world. If I just had more leads, and I hear this all the time, we just need more leads. If I just had more leads, that's not the problem. The problem is why you don't have more leads. And that's likely because, and this is going to definitely not make me everybody's favorite person. The thing that you're the best at, which is coaching, you're not that good at. And then you opened a business to do it. And you're surprised why nobody's bringing their car to you to get fixed. And like, mm. if you were a terrible mechanic, you wouldn't be like, you know what? Fuck this place. I'm going to go open up my own shop. It would last for like one week until you forgot to put the drain plug in three cars and the oil spilled out all over the highway and you were out of business. You get lucky in the fitness space because there's enough ambiguity that you can get away with it. Well, like you can't fuck up, right? Like so long as people keep showing up to do functional movements with people that they care to impress who also care about their success, on a long enough timeline, like, it's gonna work. It's impossible not to. But there is a lot of business models where you can absolutely dump gas in the fire, get enough people in the front door to give you enough money. <laughs> churn won't matter. I mean, in three months when they do quit, you'll have enough new people coming in the door that it won't matter that you lost those people out the door and you can keep dumping money into the marketing spend and the ad spend. And then you can keep making another front end but that's not the business model that any CrossFit gym is in, right? I mean, and to be fair, 
CrossFit is a long play. It's not a short play. And instead of focusing on, you know, short-term money, the factor and the number that everybody overlooks is lifetime value. The thing that makes CrossFit gyms win in this space and it's what's allowed them to suffer sufficiently to survive is that CrossFit gyms on average have generally very high lifetime values because the people that stay, stay because it's a long-term conversation. It creates life, it creates futures, it creates hope, it creates opportunities. It's not a fad. It's not a quick fix. It's not a, you know, a challenge. It's not get in and get out, right? Like the average gym has a much smaller, a sub $1,000 lifetime value. Even like the, the, the most suffering cross of gyms that come in the door have like $1,800 lifetime values. Leads don't solve for lifetime value. You do does. And that's the metric nobody's paying attention to. Do you think that there is a lack of um, education might not be the right word or awareness? I know that we had a talk on a previous call about um, affiliate owners understanding their value and their worth. Um, but do you think that there is a lack of awareness around, you know, I know that you've just done a post recently about, about you know, what can you provide to, you know, 10 customers really, really well versus giving 100 people a generic um, service? Does that make sense? Do you think Sorry. there's a lack of awareness around how, how an affiliate owner can actually get their head around doing that? For I don't sure. think there's a lack of awareness. I, I think I it's think more so a lack. You go. You go, I think like if we're if we're trying to piggyback the conversation off of leads into valuation, there's also like a lot of just overlooked stuff and skip steps in it. So like assume we have even the natural organic leads that already exist. Cool. What is the process of getting them from being a lead to having an appointment? What is the process of getting them from having an appointment to showing to an appointment? what is the offer that they're presented and you know at what percentage do they say yes and most people don't have the ability to answer any of those things and so like yes valuation is important but i think just like to springboard from the lead conversation there's also a lot that gets overlooked if we if we do assume that everybody wants to help people everybody knows they can be better at everything than like the it all it will all tie back to the finances, but before you even worry about like the quality of the service, it's just like tracking for the whole lead from the origin of them into your ecosystem till you have the ability to serve them. What are the things that you're paying attention to? And then like, okay, cool, now they say yes. Now how do we actually take care of them and what is that worth? Mm -hmm. Tony, did you have something on that? Um, what were we talking about? I'm just kidding. No, I, I think the big problem is not a lack of awareness. I don't think that it's that CrossFit gyms aren't aware of, of that side of the conversation. I just think that the distraction is so much louder um, <laughs> because it's easier, right? Like there's a reason why, again, back to the lottery conversation, it's so enticing. It's the low hanging fruit, right? A dollar in exchange for 150 gajillion dollars. It's going to solve all my problems. 
And it's much easier to make that the solution for the same reason why people don't just lower their calories and increase their activity level to lose weight, right? They want it to be something like keto or they want it to be, you know, high carb or they want it to be all these different things, vegan, et cetera. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. But most people choose to do things so that they can make it responsible rather than them taking responsibility, right? They, you know, they want to be keto because if keto doesn't work, it's keto's fault, not theirs. Like lowering your calories, eating chicken and broccoli and drinking more water is infallible. You're, there's no way you can lose at it. The problem is you're not going to want to do that, right? You're going to lose interest and you're going to find your way back to cheeseburgers and pizza. But then when you do so, you have to accept that you failed. Right. So people love to try to fit foods into their diet for the same reason people want it to be about leads. Right. It's very easy to sell you the solution to your problem and make that more people at your door because it just makes sense. But you have to understand the foundational part of that conversation, which is how many do you need? Right. So like one of our favorite questions is to ask a lot of clients is, you know, especially the ones who are like, I need more leads. I'm, I'm sure. Um, how many? more you know, how like how many like what is the gap we're trying to close like we're trying to close a budget gap of a thousand ten thousand hundred thousand like okay let's say it's a hundred thousand great um how many leads is that going to take you uh yes all of them okay so maybe it's not leads then what okay so if we got to close the gap at a hundred thousand dollars and we're not sure what the leads are well how much is where are we going to sell them what's the price point that they come in at Oh, they're all over the place. They're up, they're down, they're this, they're that. Some are free, some are 150, some go straight to membership, some go into the on-ramp, some go into the free trial, some do this. Okay, so maybe that's not the problem. So how can we clean up your offer? Well, we could just make one price point. What does that price point need to be? I don't know. Yes, you do. You're trying to close the gap. The problem is they start with what and they don't start with why. Right. And so everybody wants more because more makes sense, but they don't even know where they're trying to get to. So once you know that, like, I want to make a million dollars or I need to close a hundred thousand dollar gap or I want to pay for a new gym or I'm just trying to close the gap in the budget. That tells us, OK, how many people do we need to do that? But if you don't know what you're going to sell them or how you're going to sell them a higher ticket, it's not going to solve your problem because it's going to cost you money to get those people because every lead has an acquisition cost. Right. And then on top of that. You don't know what you're going to sell them and you're going to let them decide what they buy. You'll never get ahead. But the big problem in the whole thing is that leads become a distraction. And the distraction is, is that if you're doing a good enough job at what you do, you should have enough organic leads and enough organic traction to make an impact. The problem is that most CrossFit gyms do have that. They just don't have the offer unified. They don't know how to sell the offer, how to serve the offer and how to solve with the offer. So they defer back to what should I do instead of why should I do it? That's a long rant. No, no, it's perfect. And do you think some of that is also like when we're talking about not knowing what the offer is or how to serve that offer, it's how to have that conversation at the very start with the, with the person who's sitting in front of you, how to have the right conversation to solve their problems rather than selling them what you do well only you can decide where you're going right as your business owner right so like 
for us to come in, for me to come in and say, this is where you want to get to. This is where you need to go. This is how you need to get there. This is what we're going to do. Wouldn't work, right? Because that's my why for your business. So you said that why. This is why I want to get to where I want to get to. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what we're going to do, right? For the same thing, for the same reason that that's your responsibility and your solution, it's theirs, right? So when a new client sits down with you, you can't tell them for the same reason I can't come in your business and be like, all right, Lisa, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. Everybody loves it. This is how we're going to do it. Want to buy it, right? Like it might work, but it's not going to last for very long because that's not your why. It's going to drag you towards it. And that's why the model that we built was built this way. Is that like, I don't care if you want to make a thousand dollars or you want to make a hundred million. That's your why. We're just going to hold you to it. We'll help you bulletproof the house. And then we'll figure out what the what's are that come out of that. The fitness world is the same thing. When your client, when, when a new client, when a lead, a lead sits down with you, right? If you, instead of asking them why they're here, why it's important to them and, 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 and why, they're, why they, they chose to come in today. And instead you tell them what you do, how it's awesome and why it's going to be cool. It's going to go bad. And that's the fundamental breakdown. Yep. Um, and I know I've, I've definitely along my journey and I know we've talked about it at length, um, have been guilty of the same thing. Someone comes in and you just want to tell them all the amazing things that you do rather than what is it that they need. And then you can, you know, give them their, their prescription, which is really what CrossFit is. Yeah. I mean, sales. I think maybe that is a piece of the breakdown in the value conversation because everybody reasonably knows that like fitness is super rad and it'll change your life because otherwise they wouldn't have opened a business. But I, I don't think that they appreciate the individual level of application for the fitness prescription that they innately give to all of their clients. Like nobody in the entire fucking gym just comes in and runs like the program as is, as it's written on their own without coaching and feedback. So it's like, oh, so you get an individualized program. Yep. Actually, every day you do. Like you get personalized exercise selection. Yep. Literally every day you do. Oh, you get accountability outside of the coaching interactions. Yep. You get guidance on nutrition. Yep. Mindset. Yep. You have a network that you're exposed to that is a better network of higher quality people than most networking clubs. Yep. Like that's the breakdown and offer because everybody's just taking it for granted for so long because it's just, do you want to hang out with people like us and do things like this here? It's a natural breakdown. I think from we, we have all done it. And I think, you know, today's post that actually, I think it's out, maybe it's tomorrow's post. I don't know. Um, is essentially about value and value. The definition of value is a transfer of trust. That's it period. Right. And so we've all been in a situation where we have had to acquire something new, all of a television, a new vacuum and something like that nature. But I'm not an electrical engineer. You're not an optical engineer. I'm not an audiovisual specialist. And like, I don't know, and none of us are TV builders. I don't even know if there's such a thing as a TV builder. But so what do you do when you got to buy a television? If you don't know anything about it, your natural incl inclination is to look for products and features, right? I want to look for size. How much is it going to cost? 
what kind of technologies in it. I don't even know what any of those things are, but if I compare them against each other, I'll come up with a decision. And what I'm really saying is that I'm going to come up with a decision that I trust because I trust after all of my research that I'm making a good decision for my money. Right. And as that applies to the fitness space, you're going to have a bad time. One, you're never going to outspend the marketing of the big players, right? Like you can't, there's a reason why you guys didn't try to make televisions because you'll never compete with Samsung and LG, right? The same reason you're never going to do the same thing in the fitness space. So if you try to compete on products and features, you'd already be upside down, but you're not trying to do what those big gyms are trying to do because you're trying to keep people long-term, but you're trying to play the game that they've told you to play, which is products, features, services. But instead you can essentially control the entire conversation from the very beginning of the conversation. Because if I, as a client, you come to me and you are here for services, what you're looking for from me is trust. If I give you products and features, your natural inclination is going to be to go and compare those products and features and prices to other people because you don't know what you don't know, right? But if you came to me with your problem and you came to me asking for trust, not in so many words, and instead of me telling you about what I'm going to do with you, I just say, I'll solve your problem. And you believed in that because of my conviction. That's very different. But CrossFit gym owners, gym owners in general, it's not just a CrossFit thing don't know how to keep their mouth shut. So when that, when you tell me your problem, they have this need to regurgitate services, products, features, prices to you to tell you how I'm going to solve your problem. And you don't even care. All you care about is that like, I'm trying to have sex with the lights on, right? Like if you can make that happen for me, I don't give a shit if you pull a dragon out of the back room. Or like if that works, it works. And like, and that's the difference that, I wish that they would all understand. You don't have to tell them what you do. You don't even have to tell them how you're going to do it. All you need to do is tell them that you believe what you believe, which is, I believe I'm going to solve your problem. And I've never met an affiliate owner or even anybody who works in an affiliate who doesn't believe that CrossFit will solve any problem they come in contact with. So how can you believe that, but the prospect doesn't? has nothing to do with CrossFit. That has everything to do with how you communicate it. And that's because you start with what's instead of why's. And that's a, a very big, uh, a big thing. And I know that I've done that a lot in the past and you just get fixated on proving why you're better than the person down the road. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, it seems logical. Right? You can open a lemonade stand you're going to try to talk about why your lemonade is better than the kids down the street. It's just, I don't know that much about lemonade when I open up my lemonade stand, right? So the only thing I know how to do is talk about how my <laughs> lemonade is better than my lemonade. But maybe instead I should tell them why I open my lemonade stand because I'm trying to save money for a new bicycle. Everybody's going to stop buying my lemonade. They don't care that it's the world's worst or best lemonade. What they care is that like this cute little kid, decided that the solution to his problem was to sell lemonade to strangers so he could buy his own bicycle. In a world when kids just ask for money now, like to see that happen, right? You'd be completely engulfed in it. You'd be like, I don't even, keep the lemonade, take my money, right? If I throw a hundred spot at them and they're just like, cool, right? And that's the difference between people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that's a Simon Sinek conversation. Yep.
And it takes a long time to learn that, especially in a business that you're insecure with. And that's the fundamental problem. There's a lot of people in possession of the keys of an affiliate that they don't believe that they should be in possession of. Is that because they got into it and then went, oh, wow, this is bigger than what I thought it should be or all the things that nobody, you know, when you're thinking about buying affiliate or starting affiliate, everyone's like, oh, you know, open an affiliate, you'll change lives. But no, no, yeah, no one tells you the rest of it, the stuff. No, I mean, it's just that we're all full of our own bullshit. We're a walking giant skin bag of our own limiting beliefs. And we think that like the next what is going to absolve us of that. And then you end up with the keys to this big, beautiful why, which is this affiliate. And then your limiting beliefs turn it right back into what's on you. Because just because you possess the keys, so it doesn't all of a sudden make you believe that you're going to be the solution. It doesn't make you believe that you're the world's best affiliate. It doesn't make you believe that like you're the world's best coach. But the thing you need to understand is that the day you think you are any of those things, you got to get out because you're probably one of the worst ones. It's the pursuit of greatness that drives the affiliate model. And that is absent of most other industries. Very few places like the affiliate model are people so collectively aggregated in the pursuit of excellence as they are in the affiliate model. As somebody who's traveled and taught seminars, both of us for a decade, the truly unique part of what I do every single weekend, so willing, is that I'm in a room full of people who are hell-bent on their own personal development, but not for their own good. It's because they're almost every one of them is there for somebody else. They came because they can't get Susan to her muscle up or they can't get them. And that whole thing drives the whole thing forward. And that is not just in the gymnastics seminar. It's in almost all the other ones too. The level one, the level two, the whole thing is driven forward by this, this pursuit of excellence that is absent of so many places. So that, that lack of belief that you should, or you possess the solution or that you should own that affiliate is the thing that actually drives you to have and be the affiliate owner. You have to own the insecurity to know that your insecurity is actually your superpower. Yep. That's a, that's a really good way to, uh, to, uh, sum that up and, you know, the problem is much deeper than wanting more people coming through your door for sure. Absolutely. I want more people on your door. We all do. Mm. I mean, yep. I would love, <laughs> if I can put my head on the pillow at night and know that every affiliate owner, all 17,000 or whatever the number is now, they're all millionaires. That'd be awesome. But I, one thing I do know is that even if I gave them all a million dollars, they don't possess the tools to keep the million dollars. And money is abundant. It's everywhere. It's easy to earn. It's hard to keep. And that doesn't mean cut your bills. It means learn how to make more. Yep. And that's where the uh, potential is. So that seems like a really good note to wrap up this interesting discussion today on leads and uh, and where that takes us through various gaps in, in what affiliate owners may or may not be overlooking. So thank you for your time this morning, gentlemen. Thank you. You're welcome. You're, it's this morning. This is like still last night for you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> almost. 